Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Hi, welcome back. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about some of the mistakes I've made in my business. Now, not all of them, clearly. Um, We don't have all day here. But running a business is not all plain sailing. You probably gathered that by now. There are so many ups and downs. Okay, I'm mixing my metaphors here, I know. But you know what I mean. Some things you do are immediate successes. Some things are slow burns. And some things, they just crash and burn. And sadly, there's no blueprint for what it takes to run a successful business. Okay, there are some clues along the way that successful people leave. But there are lots of people who tell you what they think you should do. But the loudest voices aren't necessarily the ones who give you the best advice. I know that for sure. And it's different for different businesses and different people. And what has worked for one business won't necessarily work for others. And then there are the voices that are in your own head. You know the ones. The ones that can self-sabotage and stop you doing the right things. Maybe even make you do the wrong things. Now, (laughs) this episode isn't intended to be all doom and gloom. Quite the contrary. I'm going to share the mistakes I've made, mainly when I started out. You might chuckle, and that's fine. I don't mind. You might even recognize a few. I bet you've made some of these yourself. It even be your first episode. But I thought I would spill the beans and share some of the mistakes I've made in the few years I've been running the business. And you know what? I'm still making mistakes all the time. But it's better to have tried and failed than not try, right? Still, making mistakes give me plenty more material for a follow-up episode to this one. So, first mistake, I believed if I built it, they would come. This is a biggie. I believed, honestly, and egged on by others, that if I had a great business idea and built it, clients would come flocking. That they would just know about the business. I don't know, maybe through telepathy? It seems a bit odd now, I know. To be honest, I'm not quite sure how I thought they would get to know about it. I just thought they would. Word of mouth, I guess. So I built a website for my business and didn't tell anyone about it. You see, I was also scared that the business wouldn't work out. So that's why I didn't tell anyone. Because then nobody could ask me how my business was going. And I wouldn't need to say it wasn't going well or even that it had failed. (laughs) Genius, really, don't you think? Have you done this? I see it so often. I've had entrepreneurs tell me that no one is finding their website and they're not getting any sales or even inquiries. And they've invested a lot of time and sometimes money in a logo and a website and they just sat there waiting for the phone to ring. But potential clients don't just know you're the answer to their prayers. Google doesn't just automatically rank you on page one of all the search terms people looking for a business like yours might be typing into Google. I'm going to talk about how you do get to the top of Google on a future episode because I know that's something that lots of people want to know and it's coming up very soon, so do watch out for it. The best way to get people to visit your website though and to book your service or buy your products, especially in the early days, is to tell people about it. Shout it from the rooftops. And 
If I was starting again, I would take a very different approach. I'd draft an email to send to everyone I knew. Well, okay, I might miss out a few people. So let's say almost everyone I know. I'd tell them I was setting up this business, what it was about, crucially who I could help, and asking if they know anyone who might be interested and if they could let them know, perhaps by forwarding that message on. So I'm not putting the pressure on them to buy, I'm just asking them if they know anybody who might be interested. And you'd be surprised at who your friends and family know. Have you ever played that game, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Or, I don't know, maybe it's seven, I don't know. But the point is, just going one step away brings a huge network of potential clients. If you emailed or messaged 50 people you know, and come on, you've got to know 50 people, and they connect, they contact two people each on average, that's 100 potential clients. And the reality is, unless you're selling something dodgy, I'm sure your friends and family would love to help. You do the same for them, right? You're not putting any pressure on them to book or to buy, but you know you might even find a few of the people you do contact directly will book or buy. And there is nothing wrong with relying upon your network to get you going. These are people who know and trust you, so you're giving yourself a head start. And their friends know and trust them. So if they're recommending you, and it's something that they need, you're a long way to getting a client. And if you're starting out, you could even offer a good deal. Getting a testimonial or review in exchange. I talk about testimonials in episode two. What have you got to lose? Maybe a little bit of pride. But you can do this even if sales are slow. You don't need to tell your friends and family that, of course. You can just say a couple of spaces have come up if they know anyone. So don't believe the build it and they will come, like I did, and to be honest, for far longer than I should have. Of course, it's only a mistake if we don't learn from it. And I have certainly learned that I need to market my business. I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if I hadn't learned that. Second mistake I made, I tried to help everyone I could. When I first set up, I didn't want to put anyone off from working with me. I didn't use the phrase, no job too big or too small. I worked with any entrepreneur or small business doing anything website related that they asked me to do. And I know when you first start out, it can be hard to niche. Maybe like me, you were scared to turn away business. And of course, bearing in mind, I wasn't exactly marketing it. I was Mrs. Build It and They Will Come. And also it can be hard to know who your best place to help. When I started... I did actually think I would be helping many product-based businesses, local people who made candles, ceramics or art, things like that. But I quickly realised I could help service-based businesses too. And my first clients were actually a career coach, a Pilates teacher and a dog walker. And these kind of entrepreneurs and small businesses that I still help today. In fact, these are the ones that I now target rather than the product-based businesses I thought I would help. And I'll talk about that in a future episode. So I would help out people who had either built their own website or had someone else build it for them. I'd spend time sorting out some problem or adding something. And, you know, I found that kind of work very frustrating. You're often dealing with tools you've not used before. 
because no website person knows all the different website builders, themes and add-ons. It's just not possible. And these tools often have different limitations to the tools that I use and or they've been set up in a different way to the way that I would set them up. And I did not want to be tech support. My skill set is building websites that are designed to attract and book clients. I've got a marketing background. I don't want to work out why that image wouldn't sit in a particular place. Working out who I could best help and the way I could best help them has taken time. And while I wish I had been clear on this at the start, I suspect that time doing all sorts of things has been necessary to work out what I didn't want to do so that I could focus on what I really did want to do. And that is design and build websites for female entrepreneurs and small business owners running service-based businesses. Websites that enable them to attract and book more clients, together with running courses, masterclasses, programs, etc., which, which do this too. And it's much easier to market when you know who you're targeting. And I still get lots of inquiries from people who've started to build their own website, got stuck, and just want some tech support. And usually I say no, that's not what I do. But I still do get those inquiries. Okay, number three, I was too corporate. Hands up if you worked in a corporate or public sector job before setting up on your own. I worked for corporates for 19 years before setting up on my own. And that's a long time to be indoctrinated in corporate ways. I worked as a banker. And while we were encouraged to build up strong relationships with our clients, the holy grail was becoming the trusted advisor that the client would ring when they needed some serious help and advice. We were also reminded very frequently, that we were just a representative of whichever firm we worked for. In my case, Citigroup, Schroeder's, and then a a small firm. And that clients were hiring the firm, not you. Although, of course, the reality was, was actually a bit of both. And I thought the same would apply when I started my business. Now, I wouldn't change the name of my business. My business is called Beyond the Kitchen Table. I love it. Um because I love what it represents. But it's deliberately not me. It's not my name. It's not me personally you hire. And my first website is frankly embarrassing now. The copy and the images were so corporate and formal. And I tried to sound bigger than I was. Although, to be fair, I did have a team of freelancers supporting me. So the we that I talked about was actually justified. At least that's what I'm saying. And I thought people would want a one-stop shop, a professional outfit. So between us, we were covering branding, graphic design, copywriting, photography, as well as website design and build. Yes, I was trying to do everything for anyone. And there were no images of me. Okay, I'd planned for images for the team page, but the front page had an image of a sunset with the words dream, plan, deliver, or something like that. I mean, seriously? It was more like a website for an insurance firm than a solo entrepreneur who was building websites that would attract and book more clients. I now know, and I teach all my clients, that people are buying you. It doesn't matter what kind of business you run. When someone wants Beyond the Kitchen Table to build them a website, it's going to be me they're dealing with. And it's me that builds it. Although I do have a little bit of help from a couple of people now. So... Clients have to know and like me. And to be honest, not everybody does, and that's fine. It's a personal brand. I also quickly ditched the other services. People don't want a one-stop shop, 
And to be honest, I didn't enjoy being a middle person either. Now, clients of mine do sometimes want those other services with the website. So I give them recommendations. I put them in touch with the freelancers that I used to work with and indeed many others uh, that I've built up along the way. Number four, I tried cheap help. This might sound familiar to you because it's a pretty common uh, issue when we're starting out. Starting out, my budget was tight. I got my first logo, I must admit, on Fiverr. Yep, that's right. It was awful. I, I, I didn't think it was awful at the time, but it was literally just my business name in some randomish font. And it was cheap because absolutely no thought went into it. I also tried to get other help on my business cheaply. And I did a lot too. I was bootstrapping. And what I wished I had known, what I would have done differently now, is actually got those sales initially without any branding, without any website. I know being a website designer, I may well have needed a website, but in any other industry, I'd say without a website, I would have gone and got those initial clients by reaching out to family and friends, by email or message, getting a couple of clients, and then taking that money and investing it into better help. So what would I have done? Well, I would have got branding photos taken sooner. Branding photos are, are photos of you looking as you want clients to see you. They're not the formal headshots that are beloved of many corporates. Um, the there's an episode coming up on this very, very soon. I would have also invested in learning about connecting with my ideal client, how to market, etc. much sooner. And to be honest, that's something that I have invested tons in since. And I definitely would have got someone better to do my logo, brand colours, fonts, etc. Given my job, I, I do know quite a bit about this, but it is not my zone of genius. And I think it's really important to understand what is your zone of genius and spend as much time as possible operating in there and outsourcing lots of other things that's outside that. Um, and someone who does this day in and day out will be so much better. Someone who's going to understand and take the time to understand um, my me, my ideal clients, and most importantly, the message that I want to convey much better than someone on Fiverr who's knocking out five logos an hour, if, if not more. I may also have invested in copywriting help too, help to put my message across. Probably not when I'm still trying to be all things to everyone. That would not have been a good use of money. Um, that would have been a very confused message, but definitely sooner than I did. So I would have generated some cash by hustling more initially, working out exactly what my business was doing and who it was doing for, and then investing properly in my business. And I suspect I would have got to where I am, but I would have got there a lot quicker if I'd done it that way. Number five, not setting proper boundaries. I could probably record a whole episode on this. Um, and I'm blaming my corporate background again for this one. Because as a banker, if we got asked to do something by a client or someone more senior, you would do it. And depending upon who it was, you may or may not question it. You probably wouldn't have done. You'd stay late, muttering that you thought it was a waste of time, to get it done. You were expected to be available 24-7 to respond to any phone calls or emails. 
I don't charge tens of thousands for websites even now. And starting out, my websites were incredibly cheap. I have put my prices up since then. So why was I effectively doing unlimited revisions while the client changed their mind and back again several times as to whether they wanted the buttons to be blue, pink or white or, or whatever it might be? Why did I get to two days before going on holiday, a website ready to launch and the client saying they changed their mind and wanted it to look like another website? It was not the first time that they changed their mind and I changed it for them. I mean, I find the whole getting finished and packed holiday stressful enough anyway. I must have spent 100 hours on that website at least and clearly getting paid something below the minimum wage as a result. I'm still not perfect with boundaries now, but I have definitely learned from this. And I now have processes for signing off websites designed at different stages. And I lead my clients too. I have done so many websites and I've invested so much in marketing that I understand what actually works. And I know you might not know if you like it till you see it on screen. So I balance getting client feedback and the number of revisions. And I've never, ever since got to the stage of a website being 98% complete and the client deciding they want something radically different. I'd love to know if you've had a similar issue with boundaries. I know most entrepreneurs have struggled with boundaries. And I think working from home makes it even trickier because there's always the computer sitting there smiling at me in the evening. So... I hope you've enjoyed hearing about my mistakes, or rather, some of my mistakes. There are many, many more. Growing my business would have gone a lot smoother if I hadn't made these. However, I don't regret them as such. They've all been learning experiences, but I must admit, I do wish I'd learned them sooner. I'd love to hear any mistakes that you've made early on in your business. Are they the same as mine? See you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business, or scaling it. And see you next week.